The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of okay, Regents. Stop. Right, to find yeah, out more about this it. talk show or other talk shows. <laughs> I know. I just it was freaking me out. I wanted to make sure he heard it. <laughs> okay, he hears it, Mike. Okay, good. So happy Thanksgiving. I won't take back my hug. All right. Um, yeah, <laughs> just a second. My phone's dead right now, so I'm going to go charge it. So email me. I'm, I'm going straight home right now. Okay. So okay. just in case. Yeah, it should, it should be good. Thank you, Mike. Happy Thank Thanksgiving. You. you too. Okay. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, ready? Again, thank you for your patience. You are blessed. Thank you. <laughs> okay, now we're going to do it. And you're going to love it. You're going to have a great time, Rabbi. Okay? All right, let's go. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Welcome to Prescriptions for Healing Conflict. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's been an attorney mediator for 26 years, and during that time she's resolved thousands of disputes as a neutral conflict healer. She's a member of the Orange County Superior Court Mediation Panel, and she's been a law professor of negotiations and mediation and presently teaches negotiations right here at UCI. She's the author of Negotiations Breakthroughs and co-author of Stepping Stones to Success and several other books. To listen to previous interviews, see upcoming guests, download podcasts, and learn more, visit www.conflicthealing.com. So, Mari, what's your show about today? Well, Lloyd, today is, of course, about relationships, and people want to have a loving marriage. And although we're sitting here on the campus of the University of California, we have many married people here. We have people driving by. We have people listening to podcasts. And there is that that desire to really connect. And we're trying in this country now to even have more uh, diversity in marriage and, and gay marriage. So this really relates to so many of us that we want to have a committed relationship that's loving, that's enjoyable, that's positive, and we know that so many marriages do end in divorce, and I see them as an, a marital, uh, an, you know, an attorney mediator dealing with people who dissolve the marriage. Um, so I really support all the wonderful work that our guest is um, has been doing with the great work, and I want to just tell you he has a new book. I'm going to explain to you a little bit about our wonderful guest, Rabbi Shlomo Slatkin, who is coming to us from Maryland. And he has written this wonderful book that I've been reading called The Marriage Restoration Project, The Five-Step Action Plan to Saving Your Marriage. So let me tell you a little bit about Rabbi Shlomo Slatkin. He is a licensed clinical professional counselor, a certified imago relationship therapist, and an ordained rabbi. 
He's the author, as I said, of The Marriage Restoration Project, The Five-Step Plan to Saving Your Marriage, as well as other numerous other books on relationships. And together with his wife, Rivka, he founded The Marriage Restoration Project to be able to solve the divorce crisis by offering tools for couples to heal even the worst of the worst relationships. After experiencing their own difficulties earlier on in their marriage, they discovered Imago Therapy, and they made it their mission to help others to really get past the struggles and heal and grow together and have a loving relationship. So you can learn much more about him at our website at conflicthealing.com, where you'll see his picture, uh, see his bio, and we link to his website, which is the marriage restoration project.com. So you can see that at conflicthealing.com. Well, thank you so much, Rabbi Shlomo Slatkin, for joining us. Oh, thank you, Mari. The pleasure of being a guest on your show. Right. Well, I'm going to just call you Shlomo, if you don't mind. It's and we can be kind of friendly here. Okay. No oh, that, that's great. Okay. So, um, so it must be interesting to have this blend of, of being a um, you know a, a religious practitioner as well as a therapist, a licensed therapist. That must be really a wonderful blend. Uh, how? Which one were you first? <laughs> uh, I am a therapist, licensed therapist, and that's and that's what I'm. I'm do not bring in religion to the actual therapy unless couples want that. I do have some couples that um, feel more comfortable with me because I may have similar um, come from a similar background, mm-hmm. um, at least from the Jewish community or even from the Christian community or other religions that are have more traditional family values. Sometimes they feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, with me because they they feel that they can connect on that level, um, but you know I find that it's even more than religious. I find that this work is very spiritual, yes. and I found that it related very much to me when when Rifka and I did it ourselves. Um, I felt like it was it, it really mirrored everything that we've experienced in, in terms of from our faith background, in terms of what relationship should be and how a relationship could heal. Um, so it really kind of was a perfect fit for me. And I think it's really wonderful that you have been through it yourself so you can and you can see how it's been helpful to your own relationship in your marriage, right? I, I it's invaluable. Um, a lot of grad school programs in the past used to require therapists to actually, to get therapy themselves because if you're going to help if you're going to help people, you need to know what it's like to be on the other side of the other side of the couch or the chair. And we really found it, I found it invaluable based on our experience because I really believe that I can help couples. I'm really confident that even in the most difficult situations, I can help them uh, because precisely, I mean, at least when I started, it was because I saw what this work can do and how this could transform our own relationship. And right. I, can, I also know what it's like to be in their shoes and how it's, how it's difficult and how some of the exercises we do might be hard and how they might be feeling, and I can empathize with them as opposed to just imposing my program on them. Right. And I think it's beautiful that as, as a man, many times men aren't as eager to try out the exercises as the woman. So for you as a man to be able to say, hey, I did it, I do it, it works, go ahead and do it. I think that's, <laughs> I think that that's really helpful because a lot of times women are going to be the ones that want to try these uh, exercises and men are going to be more reluctant. 
Isn't that the case? Don't you think? Uh, I do find that the case. I mean, I do. There's there's usually a dragger and a draggy, mm-hmm. and usually the not all the time, but many times the woman the woman is the dragger. So for the man to have a male therapist, it it is. And I, I don't take either side, but it is sometimes helpful. Feels more comfortable. It doesn't feel like he's kind of ganged up against to start sharing his feelings, which might be something that's uncomfortable for him and it's quite foreign. Right. Now, do you think that all marriages can be saved? I think that all marriages can be saved if if both people want to work on a relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so things like, you know, the only thing, I mean, I, even though I do divorce mediation, I, I still, I'm always happy over the, actually, it's 29 years I've been doing this. I've had 20 couples in those years that got back together, which is pretty oh, good wow. when you consider by the time they come to me, they're already ready to just say, we're getting a divorce, you know. Yeah. So uh, it, it doesn't sound like a lot over those years. But for those that did, it was it was really very special for me and very gratifying. But what about marriages in which there's domestic violence? Um, do you think so, that the, that's a I little different? Question, so this is a question that I get all the time because we're, you know, we very much promote relationships and promote the power of hope that people can change and be different. And I often get the, qu- the question, especially from people who maybe be are, are in a physically abusive relationship, while you condoning domestic violence, you think someone should stay in such a relationship. And obviously, um, if the relationship is not safe, if there is physical violence, then the most important thing is to keep make sure that you're safe. So even if that means if that means leaving the house. Um, to protect you and if you have children, to protect your children. Yes. And there are people that can get help from domestic violence. Um, I think they're varying degrees. None of it's acceptable, but I have had couples where there's kind of major, minor pushing, um, even both husband and wife uh, maybe you know, hurt each other. Um, when there's severe beating, uh, I find that very, you know, I don't usually that work with those type of couples. I don't really think that it's it's quite difficult for, to, unless the person can assure that they're, they're going to change their behavior um, and stop. And yeah. it's very, it's a very tricky situation and unsafe situation to be in. So, you know, in that situation, I wouldn't encourage someone to stay together with their spouse. Right. Um, if there, people do get angry and people do get out of control, and sometimes people push or slam the door on someone. And uh, while that is unacceptable and unhealthy in a relationship, um, it is possible to tame that. It's not. It, it, it is possible. It's not always possible, and the person has to want to do it and to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're not going to get help, then it's going to be pretty difficult. And it's, you know, I'm, I would never tell anyone to stay in a relationship where, they, where their physical safety was at risk. Exactly. So what is the number one issues that couples face? I think there are a lot of different issues that, such as infidelity, money, communication, but ultimately what it comes down to, in my experience, is a lack of safety, a lack of emotional safety. And that we feel like we can't connect. And then mm-hmm. when we feel that we can't connect and can't relate to each other in a healthy way, then a lot of these other problems spiral out of control and they become the symptoms that are the glaring symptoms that we look at and focus at. But ultimately, if we could create safety and go to the root of the conflict, um, then we would be able to heal the relationship, whether it is infidelity, whether it is communication issues, in law issues, money issues, respect, lack of respect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the one thing I see all the time uh, is is blame and guilt. <laughs> blame and guilt. And, um, you know, 
he did this and it was his fault that we lost this money or he did, you know, whatever, or she did this and she, she was, you know, it was all her fault. And, you know, I try to tell people uh, when they come in to see me that, you know, both of you are 50% responsible for the challenges in your marriage. So let's kind of go beyond that and focus on what we need to focus and, you know, forgive and all this stuff. And I had one couple, they were in their late seventies. And when I told them that, you know, you be both need to be responsible and 50% responsible for the challenges in your marriage, if you allow something, if you don't watch boundaries, whatever. And she said, he is 90%. <laughs> responsible for the challenges in the marriage. So, you know, I mean, this is this is the kind of thing that uh, that I see quite a bit is that when people don't take responsibility for the choices that they make, it's it's a real problem in a, in a marriage. It's that's a, you know, I'm amazed that you actually you have the guts to tell them that because especially when they're coming to a divorce mediation, they don't want to hear that it's fifty-fifty. <laughs> they want to put all the blame on that on, on the other spouse. Right. It is really important. We do talk about it in our third step, Detox Your Marriage. We talk about taking responsibility for your role in the relationship, learning how to ask what you need instead of blaming each other. Um, I think ultimately there's a fear that if I take responsibility for the relationship, then the other will point their finger and say, you know, see, you know, it's right. really your fault. Right. right. And it, it takes a lot of courage to be able to say, you know, I may be doing something that's triggering you. and. Mm-hmm. That it's not that it's not about that one person's right or wrong. I think that's very difficult for us. One of the things we do with couples is we teach them how to validate each other, mm-hmm. and to validate that your spouse can have feelings. Your spouse can really feel that it's all your fault, even if you feel it's all their fault, uh, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're to blame or you're you know, you're right and the other one's wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a really what we call emotional maturity, getting to a place where you can really take responsibility for your role, um, and. Recognize, though, that your spouse is also contributing to the problem. Right, right. And I, I think that's when people are willing to, to be that vulnerable. And it's, it's hard, especially if, you, if you're vulnerable and then the person kicks you in the teeth, you know, and then, then you don't want to be vulnerable anymore. If you say, gee, you know, I'm sorry that I didn't, you know, I didn't mean to do this. I think one of the things that I try and do in my marriage is if I've done something wrong, I go, you know what, I, it's, I take responsibility for that. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to say it that way. I I really am sorry, and um, and I won't do it again. Or remind me so I don't do it again. <laughs> you know, and just trying to be uh, from the I message, you know, instead of the you message. I, I teach negotiations and mediation, and I say whenever you use you with something negative, you're going to escalate. If you use you with something positive, like you look beautiful, you look handsome, you look sexy, you're wonderful, you're a wonderful dad, That when you use you with something positive, it's going to get you lots of points. If you use you with something negative, it's going to escalate the conflict. So that's, uh, that's something that, that I see all the time when people do this in mediation. You find that you help them recognize their language because... It's yeah. so, it, it can be so powerful because um, we also talk about this, about the, you, you know, t- making I statements. And you can't argue with someone's feelings. The, right. These are their feelings. They're not, it's not necessarily about reality. It's how they feel. Um, right. If you're focusing on blaming with using you, then it's going to feel very threatening for the other person. So I think that's yeah. a valuable skill that you, you're teaching yeah. Well, so why does some therapy, you know, that a lot of people go into therapy and it doesn't work. So 
some people even say that it makes it worse. So what, why would, why does some therapy make the relationship worse? So some, I found that some therapy makes the relationship worse. Um, in some cases, you don't have qualified practitioners. A lot of, anyone can, any therapist who has a master's degree can say that they work with couples, even if they have no training besides maybe at one graduate course. Couples work is very challenging. I have colleagues who've been psychoanalysts for 30 years, and they're terrified working with couples because it is a very different way of working. It's different than the individual paradigm. So if they're not trained in working with couples and they don't have a particular approach, I do find that it is it can be very challenging. Um, couples work is very vulnerable because you're bringing up issues that maybe you've kind of swept under the carpet. So it can open up a can of worms. And if you don't know how to deal with it and create a safe environment, then it can turn into a screaming match. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that when we look at the, at least from the Imago paradigm, we look at the couple as a unit. So as opposed to trying to find blame or uh, working with one person over the other, we really look at the dynamic. And found that that's, like you were saying, in terms of everyone taking responsibility for their role, that um, we see that by looking at the couple as a whole, it creates more safety and it allows them to work through the issues together and not to get stuck up in the issues because ultimately the issues we have with our pardon me the issues that we have with our spouse are usually rooted in our own baggage from growing up or, right. or past life experience life experiences that we've had um, earlier on and they just when they get triggered in the relationship um, it can look quite messy so if you get fixated on the problems and fixing the problems you know you don't listen to me okay or you don't do this and as opposed to understanding the feelings, understanding where, it, where it's coming from, um, then we just get stuck in negativity, and it's very hard to move beyond that. So that's why I find a lot of, lot of couples therapy isn't, isn't always helpful and can make it worse. Um, and unfortunately, there are therapists who actually encourage their clients to get divorced, mm. or they do take sides because they're unable to deal with their own um, counter-transference. So it is, I found it to be quite a skill, and you know, not for the meek-hearted and really... Um, it's really important to have someone who knows what you're doing. It's, I, like, I liken it to uh, you know, brain surgery. You don't want your general practitioner operating on you. Right. You can go see them for a checkup, but you don't want them doing serious surgery. Right. Well, you want to have a specialist with training to work on, work on these issues. Yeah, and, and I can relate to that because it's very much like mediation. Um, if you are a litigator, you're going to take sides or you're going to be telling people what they should be doing instead of helping them to understand and then make good choices based on that and and also to be forgiving of the other party. And there is, you know, you're blending um, that kind of skill as well. You know, I have a master's in psychology, so it helps me a little bit. But it's the same kind of thing. Dealing with couples is is really different than dealing with a personal injury lawsuit. (laughs) Especially if they've got kids and they're going to have to cooperate with each other, hopefully, uh, you know, for the rest of their lives so that they can go to weddings, but mitzvahs, (laughs) graduations, right, without killing each other. Yeah. And I always tell couples, you're always going to be with this person. If you have children, you're always going to have a relationship with them. So you might as well learn how to work in a more effective way. Yes, yes. So let's talk about the Marriage Restoration Project. What is that, and and how did you you and your wife start that out? So the Marriage Restoration Project is is our book and program that we created to be able to help couples. Uh, we found like that a lot of couples there are there are people there are couples that are afraid to go to therapy or they have one spouse that's unwilling to go and they want to work on their relationship. 
Um, cost is often an issue. Um, distance is often an issue if they can't find a therapist in their locale that they feel comfortable with, even though I work with couples um, do coaching over Skype. But, um, so they want something that they can do. Also, we're so busy these days. We hardly have time for anything. And, of course, you know, I feel that it's important to make time for your marriage. But going to counseling sessions and you know, 90 minutes a week plus travel time and getting a babysitter, it's difficult. So a lot of people want something they can do on their own. We found that we were able to provide something which is, I guess, minimal risk for couples to do and to see tremendous results without actually having to go into therapy. Um, so that's why we, that's the idea behind creating it. Um, in terms of why we created, chose those five steps, it's what we found has been, have been the most successful ingredients in the couples that, that I've worked with over the years. Um, I've kind of distilled them to make it really user-friendly and simple for the average reader to be able to understand and to apply. Let's talk about what those steps are. you got five action steps here in your book, and the first one is commit. That's a good word. <laughs> so why don't you explain what you mean by that? So commitment is, this is the essential, essential first step and prerequisite to really everything. Yeah. I do tell couples, if, even if you can't master this step, you can still go on and apply the other steps because sometimes um, the other steps are a shortcut to getting commitment. But if a couple isn't really in the relationship, it's going to be very hard to make it work. If I know that I'm, I'm going to stay married, uh, no matter what, but I'm willing to put in the effort that I need to save this relationship, then I'm going to do it. And I found that the tools that Imago Therapy provides couples, um, if the couple's committed, almost certainly will help them. The challenges I've had when, were couples where one person, let's say someone was having an affair, and they didn't want to stop that relationship. Right. So it's very difficult to work on healing the relationship when they're not really committed to staying in this marriage. Um, similarly, if they're thinking about the possibility that you know, somebody else could be better, um, and this spouse that I have now is making my life miserable, then it's really hard to give them the kind of buy-in to really work on the relationship because they don't really want to be there. Right. Um, I do find that there's often there's always like a there is a little piece inside of us that still is committed and really wants to be with our spouse, but over the years and as the negativity builds, it is it is more challenging and. Um, we find the couples that are committed to saving their relationship, even if they've had the worst worst relationship, even if they've been married for 30 years, even if they've had infidelity, they are able to save their relationship. But couples who've even been married a, f- a few years but aren't committed, even if they have what we might call minor issues, mm-hmm. they have a much harder time making it. Right, right. How about the second step, seal your exits? Seal your exits. So that step is really to help couples be aware of some of the external influences on a relationship that can steer us away from being focused on our spouse. So there are obviously certain, certain exits which are fatal exits or potentially fatal like infidelity or substance abuse, but there are a lot more benign exits like even you know, working, you know, someone's a workaholic, workaholic or yeah. um, talking to friends, uh, Facebook, all these things kind of sap our energy out of the relationship and have us focused elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And what we want couples to do is really to learn how to bring that energy back in the relationship as opposed to putting it elsewhere. And the reason we don't do it is we, we're not, we don't feel safe, as we said before, that we don't feel safe enough to connect and show up in the relationship. And we, it's like a child who has a tantrum and they don't know how to express their feelings through words. So too, as adults, we, have a, a sort of a, we act out by checking out of the, the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other important exit is friends and 
um, even sometimes therapy or individual therapy where one where the therapist is giving advice to the spouse um, without even seeing the other spouse. Right. Uh, it can be that can also be an exit which is damaging because it influences the person to not really want to be in the marriage anymore. Right, right. And you know, like just sitting there on the internet and doing, you know, and and doing video games. I've heard that, you know, as well. Yeah. So you know, I mean, there are some things of, it's it's like that old adage that you know you want to be together but have the wind blow between you so that you don't feel so glued to the other party that you lose yourself, but yet you want to connect and still have the wind blow between you so you can be individuals too. I think that's the the some people will say I felt so smothered, right? <laughs> right, and we're not suggesting that you shouldn't go. You know, we're saying these activities. I mean, working out in the gym, all these activities can be acceptable, but if you're doing it to avoid being with your spouse, that's one of the reasons, and that tells you that it's an exit. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, the third step is uh, detox your marriage. So detox your marriage is once you've sealed the exits and now you're in that sealed room with your spouse, now you have all these, this toxicity that you got to throw out the window. So mm. we want to work on teaching couples how to remove criticism, blaming, shaming, right. negativity, uh, some of the things that you and I had mentioned before about using I statements to, and to ask for what we need as opposed to focus on what the other person is doing to them. Uh, these are all ways to detox the marriage, and we also deal a lot with anger because that, that is a common issue that working with couples where one spouse may have a temper and how do you get beyond that. So we address these issues in that, in, in that step and detox your marriage. Right. Then the fourth step is acknowledge the other. Right, so acknowledge the other is where couples learn how to really connect and communicate in a healthier way by acknowledging that their spouse is really different than them. So in the same, as much as you said we want to be connected, we also want to differentiate and realize that our, we are not our spouse. So we, we teach a way, a di- the Imago dialogue process where couples can learn how to hear each other better and also to talk in a way that they catch their spouse at the right time. So we teach different um, communication um, skills where you can ask your spouse to make sure it's a good time to talk and also ways to, li- to really listen as opposed to just saying, oh, I hear you, uh, but really to make your spouse feel heard. It's funny, I had someone call me the other day who had, who had um, purchased our program and gone through it, and he said that his, his spouse had not talked to him for, I mean, they were separated for over a year, and I was kind of shocked that he called me. He was doing the program on his own, and he said, you know, these, some of the things that you taught in, the, in that acknowledge the other about asking um, did I get you? I Meaning, did I hear what you said? Um, is there more you want to share? Uh, you make sense. Those were magic words to my wife's ears. So <laughs> just these little these little skills that couples learn can really make a huge difference. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. And you know, the, the words are so powerful. You know, and they change your brain. I interviewed a guy on my show um, who was a neurosurgeon who wrote a book on words change your brain. <laughs> changes the chemicals. So if you're using positive words and your spouse hears that, then that's going to change their chemi- chemistry as well. So there's there's a whole physiological aspect of of really being speaking lovingly and getting rid of the blame and the shame and the criticism and all that stuff. And what is the last step? The last love, step is yeah. uh, love infusions, it's called. Yeah. And that's funny because that's actually a step that sometimes couples need to do first because some couples are so negative they can't even talk about the problems. They need to just start reliving that 
that joy and love that they experienced when they first connected. Mm. So that's doing things like sharing appreciations because, we're, as you said, really we want that positive energy is going to affect the other's brain in a positive way and reinfor, reinforce those positive neural pathways. So working on learning how to do appreciations, um, caring behaviors by sharing, doing certain things that your spouse feels cared about um, to make them feel loved. We incorporate some of the love languages from Dr. Gary Chapman's book and that how to speak to your spouse in their, in their love language, meaning through, through action. And, um, and then other things like date night, just making quality time and fun time with your spouse because things can get very heavy in a relationship and we often lose sight of that courtship period and we really want to bring that positive energy back into the relationship to remind the couple that things can be, things were good at one point and they can still be good. Right, and it's it's hard when you got little kids and you're you're you know a lot of kids yeah. and you're trying to deal with them, and then again it gets hard when they go off to school and you've got this empty nester thing, you know, and that you've got to kind of get to know each other again in a different way. So, yeah, I think it's um it's an ever changing school of life to be in a in a marital relationship and. And I love what you have here. It's going to make it a beautiful thing. So I want to thank you so much, Rabbi Shlomo Slatkin, who wrote The Marriage Restoration Project, The Five-Step Action Plan to Saving Your Marriage. Could you just give us your website and it's time to go? Sure. The, our website is www.themarriagerestorationproject.com. Themarriagerestorationproject.com. Well, thank and- you so much. And we will have you back again. I'd love to be on your show again, Mari. Thanks okay, so thanks so much. Take okay. care. Bye-bye. You've Bye. been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. It's about trust. in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.